Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready for the word this morning? Matthew chapter 16, uh, open to it, uh, switch on to it if you've got paper or if you've got your phone. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 19. Uh, And as you're opening it up, let's pray. God, we just ask you to speak this morning. God, we're ready to hear what you have to say. God, give us eyes to to see what you're doing. And God, we open up our hearts to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Matthew 16, 13 to 19. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, sons say, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. and Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, I like this account right here. It's an interesting piece of text. Uh, There's a lot in it. There's so many different angles you could preach from it. But I I like, it's kind of like a conversation where Jesus is just doing this quick like reality check just to make sure that those around him have a correct perspective. He's like, hey, who do people say that I am? Like, what are you hearing? What do people think about me? What do they say that I am? And they're going, well, look, some people's perspectives is this, and some people's perspectives is this. And Jesus is like, well, what's your perspective? Who do you say that I am? And then Peter stands up and he's like, you're the son of God. You're, you're the son of God. Is my perspective correct? And, and Jesus is then like, hey, that's good. And you didn't just get that revelation from someone else. You got that revelation directly from the Father. You know, when I think about, Uh, all the different uh, perspectives of God, it's usually uh, influenced by people's upbringings or or the beliefs of their their close people in their world, whether their parents or their siblings or teachers, those that have influenced their life over the years. And it all shapes the way people view things. And and I think that uh, if you have a background, maybe you've grown up in a Pentecostal church, maybe you've grown up in a Catholic church and at some point you decided to start coming to a Pentecostal church. Maybe you've grown up without church at all. And, and with all of those different upbringings, it affects the way that we view God. Are you guys following with me? And so the title of my message today, based around this simple thought, if you're taking notes, write this down. Who is he to you? Who is he to you? You see, one of the things that I've realized is that there is some very interesting perspectives around who God is. In fact, some might even say there are some strange perspectives around who God is. Some people would say they worship the same God as us, but then when you begin to boil down and ask questions as to what that actually looks like, you realize that it's a skewed, uh, um, uh, morphed version of what we believe, but it's not quite right. And it's important to have the correct viewpoints. You know, I, um, I did a little bit of research around some strange religions, and it was actually quite entertaining as I was reading uh, some of these Uh, religions, but I wrote down my top three strange religions. You guys want to hear them? The first one is, uh, man, I'm going to even struggle to pronounce this, the Nuwabian movement. It's the worship of Egyptians and their pyramids, 
throw a little bit of belief in UFOs in there, um, some conspiracy theories around the Illuminati, and uh, some supremacy uh, around race thrown in the mix as well. It was founded in the 1920s, and the founder ended up being um, sentenced to 135 years in prison because of some of his crimes, right? I don't want to be part of that religion. Uh, the next one, the Church of Maradona. We got any soccer players in this place? Some say Maradona, the Argentinian soccer player. I'm married to an Argentinian. Um, the Argentinian soccer player, the greatest soccer player to have ever walked the earth. I mean, personally, I'm a Messi fan. Um, Di Maria's coming up through the ranks. Uh, I, I love FIFA World Cup. It's the only time I'm into sport. It's just for that, that one moment when Argentina's playing, because Australia's never going to win the World Cup, right? So in that moment, it's like me and my Argentinian friends, like we're all watching the World Cup. So here we have a religion where the fans in uh, 1998 formed a religion to worship Maradona, right? I was like thinking, that's a strange religion. I'm glad I'm not part of that religion, although I like Maradona. But my favorite strange religion is this one here, Subad. It was founded by an Indonesian spiritual leader in the 1920s, and it's a religious movement based on spontaneous and ecstatic exercise, just think about this for a moment, right? Shaking hands at church. How you going, brother? How you going, sister? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to see you. It's almost like praise, isn't it? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not part of these religions. I'm glad that I'm part of a faith that is based and grounded on God-breathed, inerrant Scripture in the Word of God, that as we read this Bible, the more we read it, the more it reads us. It's true. It doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Our God is a good God. He is a true God. He is a living God. He's not dead. And I love that it's not a strange religion, but it's a life, God-breathed faith and relationship with God the Father. Someone say amen in this place. Who is he to you? You know, as I read this Bible, I see time and time again, different illustrations of who he is. Isaiah 9, 6 refers to him as the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father. Revelation 22, 13 refers to him as the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The word tells us he's our healer. He's our provider. He's our comforter. He's our friend. He's a good God. He's for us, not against us. That's who he is to us. You see, there are so many ways that the Bible describes God. There's so many ways that it describes Jesus. There's so many ways that it describes the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, three in one, the, the Trinity. There's so many uh, descriptions of who He is to us. And on the basis of that premise, I want to present three questions, three viewpoints, three thoughts this morning to help us work out if we're viewing God in a healthy way. You know, 1 Timothy 6.15 refers to him as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And on the basis of that scripture, I want to present my first thought this morning. If you're taking notes, write this down. Point number one, is he your king or your convenience? Is he your king or your convenience? You know, it's easy to serve God as your king, the final authority in your life when everything is going well. But what about when things aren't going well? What about when things aren't that convenient for you to do it? You know, the point, is he your king or your convenience, really speaks to our convictions as Christ followers. Not based on just when it's easy to follow him, but our convictions, even when it's hard to follow him. You know, when someone cuts you off on Brady Road and, and in that moment, you just wanna go and jump on the horn and beat up them and, and get up their tail and, and follow them around. But you gotta ask yourself the question, is he your king? Or your convenience. 
no one's laughing about that. Maybe it's just me that I go, no, no, he's my king. He's my king. I'm not going to do that. You know, that moment, maybe for some of you in this place, you've got a, a shady uh, broker or a tax agent and they're suggesting some gray area things. And, and maybe it's a way to save more money, but you've got to ask yourself the question, is he your king or your convenience? You, you see, it's a moment of conviction where we decide when no one else is around, is God going to be our king? Is he going to be the final authority? Or is it just a convenient moment for us when we decide to follow him? You know, when things don't work out the way that we wanted them to, is he our king or our convenience? You see, our faith, our convictions can't just be based on it being easy. It needs to be deep-rooted in our faith in the Word of God, that God is for us, not against us, not based on circumstance. It's easy to follow God when everything's going to plan, but what about when it doesn't go to plan? You know, uh, last year, 2019, was an interesting uh, year for me uh, for many different reasons, but one reason uh, was we entered into the process of selling uh, our old house and buying our new house, and uh, we put our house on the market uh, February, and it took like four and a half, five months to sell, um, and it sold, and as it sold, uh, it was kind of like right when everyone started getting fearful about selling, the market had changed, and no one was putting their house on the market. Great time to buy, because all the prices had dropped, but the problem is, is when the prices drop, no one wants to sell, so there's nothing on the market, right? It's like this catch-22, great time to buy, but there's nothing to buy. And so we're looking around and eventually I think our house settles in September. We still didn't have a house to buy. We moved in uh, with my wife's parents and then we're there and then eventually we find a house to buy. We're like, praise God, it's in a great area. It's meant to settle at the start of November. And at the start of November, about three days before settlement, the person selling the house died. And so there was no one that could legally give us the title to the house. And here already we've been waiting for months to get into a new house. And then it gets dragged out another month and a half. And we were going to have Christmas with our family in that house. And then it just blows out and blows out and blows out. And, and it wasn't convenient for us. Eventually we got the keys and it's all good and, you know, happily ever after all that stuff. And, but, you know, in those moments where it doesn't work out, maybe it's something small like what happened to us. Or maybe it's something big for you. Maybe it's a health issue or, or maybe it's something going on in your relational world or, or maybe you've lost your job or, or whatever it is. But in those moments where you go, geez, I wish, I wish it was easier. I wish it wasn't this inconvenient. I wish it worked out differently for me. I, I wish things happened a lot easier. You've got to ask yourself the question in that moment, is my faith in God based on circumstance or is it based on a revelation of who he is in my life, in the word that he died for me so that I could have life and life to the full? You see, our faith in God can't be based on situation. It can't be based on convenience. It needs to be based on him being the king and the final authority. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 it says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what should a man give in return for his soul? Friends, let me ask you the question this morning. As a church, have we and will we continue to sell our lives out to follow God in every area? Not just on Sundays, but on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, even Saturdays. Will we sell out our life to follow Him? Will we take up our cross and say, God, I'm going to put you first, even when it's not convenient. When things are going bad, I'm going to put you first. When things are going really good, I'm going to put you first. 
You know, some people only come to church when things aren't going well. Come to church, get their blessing, go. But are we going to put him first when things are going great? God, I'm going to put you first. When no one's around, will I put him first? For the students, you know, when you're on holidays, it might be easy, it might be all good. But when you're back at school and things are busy and exams happen, will you put God first in every moment of your life? For the singles here, you know, when that person starts showing you interest, maybe they're not God's best for your life. In that moment, will you put him first or is it a matter of convenience? You see, convictions with Christ are based around our revelation of who he is. For the business people, when it comes to decisions that have ethical ramifications. Will we put him first or is it only a matter of convenience? You see, we've got to ask ourselves the question on every decision in the way that we live, is he our king or our convenience? God's not looking for people who would just say, oh, I just want it to be easy. God's looking for people who would say, no matter what happens, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to take up my cross. No matter the cost, count me in. I'm all in. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm yours. Everyone say point number two. Taking notes, write this down. Is he your helper or your slave? Is he your helper or your slave? You know, two scriptures I want to read to you around this. John 14, 16 says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Psalms 46, verse 1. God is our refuge in our strength, a very present help in times of need. You know, there's a key difference between a helper and a slave. Think about it for a moment. A slave does it for you. A helper does it with you. A slave does it for you. A helper does it with you. You've got to ask yourself the question, is your faith in God carrying the viewpoint of him as a slave where you just come and you bring prayers, it's like God's a giant vending machine in the sky and you just throw a few prayers up there and out pops a Kit Kat? Out pops the solution to every problem. Out, out pops the things that you don't want to do in your own strength. You're just like, I can't be bothered doing it. God, you do it for me. Is our viewpoints of God the viewpoint of a slave or is it the viewpoint of a helper? You know, you see the key difference is like this. You see, God's not a slave to our will. He's not a slave to our desire. He's not a slave to what we want to happen. But what we need to rem remember is that he is deeply interested in our lives. And he's deeply interested in what's going on in our world. He's deeply interested in our situations, whether they be good or bad. He cares about them. And he actually wants to help us with those things. You see, the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. Now, you could think about this two ways. He, he could give you the things that you're desiring, or he could actually give you the desires he puts those things in your heart that you're hoping for. And it's like, God, I know deep in me, you've put those dreams in my heart. You've put those visions in my heart. Now, would you help me bring them about? You see, a slave mentality, for example, says, God, I want you to save those around me. God, you do it. Maybe you've got a brother or a sister who doesn't know God. Maybe a mother or a father or a son or a daughter. A slave mentality says, God, you do it. A helper mentality says, God, help me to step out and be bold. And God, put your grace on that situation. Put your spirit on that situation. Let's co-labor together to see something happen in their lives. God, give me the keys. Give me the tools to step out. I'll do what I can do and you do what you can do. And together, let's see you do something in that situation. A slave mentality prayer says, God, here's my wish list. Make it happen. A helper mentality prayer has a lot more listening than speaking. God, I need your help. God, I need your wisdom. God, would you speak to me? 
You know, when I read the Bible, I, I think I've noticed that probably like 98% of the time, maybe even more, when God wants to do something, when he wants to bring a move, he'll move through a person. How often do we say, God, we want to see a move of God, and God's there saying, yeah, yeah, I want to move through you. God, I want to see a move of God, as if it's this, this nebulous, undefinable thing that we have no, no part of. It just happens over there, and we weren't part of it. No, no, no. But God is saying, if I'm going to move in this area, I want to move through my people. I want to move through each of us in our workplaces, in our families, when we're having conversations, when we're doing our things. God wants to move through. So we've got to stop you know, thinking that, that there's going to be a move of God and start grabbing a hold of the fact that we are the move of God. God wants to empower and equip the saints for the work. He wants to do something in our lives. You see, it's not through our might, but it's through us making the decision that we're going to be available to be used by Him. It's, it's getting rid of that viewpoint of just thinking that there's nothing we can do. There's no contribution we can make in building the kingdom. And, and, and throwing that out the door and start saying, God, I can't do everything. But what I can do, I will do. And you do the rest. God, I'll bring the natural. You bring the super. Let's get some supernatural happening here in Dandenong, in Nari Warren, in the Casey area. God, would you do something in the southeast of Melbourne? And I'm going to do what I can do. And I'm just going to believe that you're going to do the rest. You see, that's what we've got to start saying. God, I don't see you as a slave, but I see you as a helper. You know, I remember uh, when I was 15 probably 14, nine months, just legally old enough to work. It's an exciting moment for everyone's life. You think you're going to become a millionaire straight away. Get your $6 an hour. Tax gets taken out. <sighs> tough, tough gig. And we had to do work experience for school. And I thought, you know, I'd really, like I was into cars at the time. I liked cars. I was like, I'd love to maybe one day be a panel beater. And, uh, you know, it's like, you think about those moments where it hails and you're like, oh man, all this damage. But then for one occupation, it's like an answer to prayer, right? I got a, a friend who's got uh, quite a, a wealthy business person in their church, and they do um, repairs on flood-affected areas, and uh, great tither. And my friend was saying to me, we don't pray now for there not to be floods, because uh, when there are floods, this guy's business explo explodes, and he tithes on what he makes. We just pray that no one gets hurt. <laughs> but I, I, wanted, I wanted to be a panel beater, so I did some work experience. I thought, I'm going to go and learn the art of, of painting a car, of sanding it back, bogging it up, getting it all good, getting the dents out, and making this thing beautiful and new and restoring. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to master the art of it, right? Then I'm going to start my own business, Dave's Dings, Dents, and Devastation Repair Shop. <laughs> Got to love the alliteration, right? I'm going to start Dave's Dings, Dents, and Devastations Repair Shop, and, and I'm going to make a mint. And, you know, I'm going to start a TV show. I'm going to call it, like, Rusty Restorations, Dave's Dings, Dents, and Devastations Repair Shop, and, and it's going to be amazing. I had this great grandeur of, of what it was going to look like. And I go to my first day, and the guy's there, like, you know, I'm like, teach me sensei, I'm ready to learn. I'm a young Padawan, you know. And they hand me a razor blade. I'm like, okay, cool, what do I do this? And they're like, look, out the back uh, is a spray booth. It's got glass everywhere. Uh, there's paint all over it. Uh, we want you to take this razor blade, it's about this big, and we want you to take the paint off every single window in that booth. And uh, when you're done, there's another four spray booths to do. And so I'm there just sort of scratching the paint off. And it took, like, it was tedious work, went for, for ages. And I thought maybe tomorrow, then they'll teach me their ways. Maybe the next day, they'll teach me their ways. I'm going to start Dave's Dings, Dents, and Devastation Repair Shop. But they never did. You see, 
their perspective of me was that of a slave. They thought, let's get this young buck in to come and do the things that we're not prepared to do, the things that we can't be bothered to do, the things that we can't be stuffed doing ourselves, the things that are just the, the dirty work. We don't want to do it. We don't want to deal with that. We'll just get someone else in to do it, and we'll view them as a slave, and, and it'll be all good. And they missed out on what could have been in Dave's Ding's Dents and Devastation Repair Shop. But you know, sometimes in our walk with God, we view Him the same way. We want to get him in as a slave to do the things that we can't be bothered doing ourselves, to clean up the mess that we can't be bothered cleaning up ourselves, to dealing with the things that are in the back room that, that we don't want to look at, we don't want to do, we can't be stuffed. We'd rather get someone else to do it, and we miss out on the true value of what he could do in our lives. You, you see, we create this mess, and then we just expect to step back like God's a slave, and he's going to come in and do it all, and we don't have to do anything. But God is saying, hey, I care about this stuff, but I want to work on it with you. I want to co-labor with you. I want to do these things with you. Stop trying to just go, oh, I'm just going to step back and God, you do it all. I don't want to do anything. But we've got to start saying, God, I'm going to engage with you, not as a slave, but as a helper. We've got to shift our thinking around God. Friends, is he your helper or your slave? Question number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. Is he your source or your accessory? Is he your source or your accessory? I, I like this one. Is he your source or your accessory? It, it speaks to some, some powerful stuff. You know, um, I remember a few years ago, uh, I went on a four-wheel driving trip uh, with a couple of people from our church. Um, look, I don't want to name names. Um, just for the point of this story, let's just pull some names out of the sky, something maybe Phil and Ramon, right? <laughs> just fictional characters, right? No one we know. We were driving in the outback and middle of nowhere, talking about life, life's great problems, solving all the problems in the world, hypothesizing over all these different spiritual things, going deep down the rabbit hole. We're in the middle of nowhere, you know, like probably an hour or two from the nearest town. All of a sudden, the car conks out. Brother Ramon goes, oh, whoops, didn't see the warning signs. We've run out of, run out of fuel. <laughs> we're out in the outback, no fuel diesel car so you can't just like top it up you got to run it through all the engine everything again or however that works and we're just we're just stuck you know we're on the side of the road and we're there probably about an hour or so before like a single car drives past and we're like trying to wave them down they just keep going right we're like another half an hour eventually someone kind enough stops and, and we're like hey can we get a ride into town and maybe back again we kind of going to get some fuel and hope for the best and and we sort it out but you know in that moment I was reflecting on these things. And in life, there's a few things you need. You need water. You need air. And when you're driving a car, you need fuel. Without fuel, the car doesn't run. You know, when it comes to our walk with God, He's our source. He's the fuel that actually allows us to run. You're not going to get very far without the Holy Spirit constantly refilling your life. God is our source. And without Him, we're not going to get very far. I want to invite the band up. You know, Acts 1.8, it's a powerful scripture. It says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, this year, let it be, let it be our, our approach to God that will be one that says, God, we don't want you just to be an accessory. God, we don't want you to be a slave. God, we don't want you to be a convenience, but God, we want you to be our source. We need your Holy Spirit in our decision-making 
We need your Holy Spirit in our families, in our parenting, in our businesses, in everything that we do, in our studies. We need your Holy Spirit. God, you are our source and we recognize that without you, we won't get very far. We don't want to do this without you. We want you to be at the center. You know, um, one of the things uh, that's just sort of started in the last few years, my wife's doing it actually at the moment, something called a 30-day shred. And if you go on to the, the Bible app, there's all these different devotions you can do. Um, the 30-day shred is where you read the entire Bible cover to cover in 30 days. It's like some monstrous amount of chapters per day, like 30 chapters or something. Is that about right? And what I, I love about this concept, uh, and if you want to do it, search up Nathan Finocchio on uh, the Bible app, um, is that it gives you this broad view of what God's doing through this amazing, powerful living book. Um, and really, when you boil it down, what it is, is digging a deeper well. And however you do that as a Christian, we need to constantly make a decision that we're going to dig a deeper well. Because God's our source. And if we're constantly just drawing on a shallow well, it's going to run dry. We need to dig a deeper well where we're saying, God, I don't want to do this without you. I want to do this with you. God, we're desperate for you to fill us. God, we're hungry for you to fill us. God, don't pass us by. God, we've tried everything else and we know that without you, we're nothing. We can't do it in our own strength. God, we need your presence. You know, this scripture that I read at the start, conversation between Jesus and his disciples, namely Peter, saying, who do people say that I am? Oh, some say you're this, some say you're that. Jesus is like, but who do you say that I am? Peter's response so Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. What I like about this conversation is that Peter's revelation didn't just come from what he heard from someone else saying, didn't come from what he'd read on Google, didn't come from a quote on Instagram, it came from a direct revelation from God. You see, he had had a revelation about who God was. He had had a revelation that Jesus was the Son of God. He'd had that revelation. And there's something powerful as Christ followers when we understand that, God, we need fresh revelation. God, we don't want to we don't want to operate on yesterday's revelation, yesterday's encounter, but we need a fresh revelation. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.